This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. I've been practicing since 2008. I have an in-person brick and mortar office and I wanted to do something on a bigger platform to help educate people on anatomy, biomechanics, trying to think of things in terms more of prehab instead of rehab. So staying functional um, before you have an injury rather, or transitioning into getting back into those things that you love. Uh, I think it's a huge disconnect when I'm working with um, insurance companies. They don't want to do any wellness care. They don't want to um, promote health. They want to only treat patients for a limited amount of time. Once you plateau, they don't see the need to continue. And it's really not beneficial for, for the patients. And I just think that there's so much more out there. And so I'm also a yoga instructor, right? and I've been doing that since uh, 2011. And I love melding the two things together. And I've recently started to come up with courses online that my patients or people that I haven't even seen in the office to do that helps them get more out of their healthcare, more out of taking ownership of what is going to be best for them and let them do the activities that they love long-term, like running, cycling, yoga, that kind of thing. Um, I personally uh, love yoga, and yoga is something that doctors will tell you, go do yoga if you have pain. And often that's just a general statement, and it's it's good intent, but not... uh, necessarily going to be what's best for you. I see lots of people that I take yoga with and teach yoga to that get injuries from yoga because maybe their practice is a little imbalanced or um, maybe they're doing poses that aren't suited for them or they're not um, keeping things balanced. And we'll get into that later. I'm going to do different episodes on some of those things and tips and tricks that you can cross train so that you can still do the yoga that you love, but also prevent injuries because it's so much easier to prevent an injury than to fix an injury after it's happened. And, you know, I know that I don't like to take breaks from doing the things I love like yoga. And I know for certain that my patients that are cyclists and runners, they do not want to take a break from what it is that they love. And it's super hard to step back. And, uh, you know, sometimes whatever it is that we love to do the most We want to get five more minutes of running in, but we don't want to train our core effectively. And I would say that I am, uh, you know, not immune to that at all. 
I recently had a hip thing just totally knock me down a peg um, this past winter. And it's something that I know that I should um, address as a preventative prehab type of a thing because I danced all the way from four years old to through college. I am super hypermobile, which sounds like a good thing. You're like, oh, you're so flexible. That must be great. And sometimes you kind of lose the stability around your joints um, when you have that hypermobility, not just in the joint, but in the ligaments and that kind of thing. And with my hip, I think because I have such gumby hips, the when you think about how the acetabulum and the head of the femur should sit together and slide nicely, it needs to be centered within that acetabulum or cup type thing that it sits in. And because I have so much laxity, mine was sliding around doing all sorts of cool dance things and scorpions and cheerleading and um, dancers pose and king pigeon and yoga and looks great. But I was able to not rely on my strength, but a lot rely on my innate flexibility. And that will catch up with you. And I knew that it would catch up with me. And I did a lot of DNS, which I'll talk about throughout episodes, but DNS is called, is stands for dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. And they focus a lot on breath work, but also on centrating joints. So for your your hip, for example, we want to center the head of the femur within that joint. So it's not grinding or rubbing on, on different parts. So I would do a little routine, not much, 10, 15 minutes every day to help with my better core stability and centration of the joint. And, um, I got lazy. We bought a new house. You know how things go. You get into remodeling and all the things. And I have two little kids and I got super lazy. I, um, started spinning again. I used to be a spin instructor, uh, a lifetime ago, it feels like, and it just jacked up my hip badly. And uh, I had did not have x-rays done. But what I'm going to guess it was is that it I have some osteophytic changes possibly from some laxity in the joint. So that means bony buildup from some pressure rubbing on an area and or a, a cam lesion or a labral tear or something judging from the orthopedic tests I did on myself was just wrecking my hip. I mean, severely limiting, like with a sharp stop you in your tracks pain with any type of external rotation and abduction, which means taking your leg away from your body. And, um, it really made me just cognizant of, I really need to practice what I preach because it, it works obviously. And so since February, I've been doing my exercises, kind of honing in on exactly what I specifically need. And I went from not being able to sit crisscross applesauce or, um, 
even be able to do warrior two, where you're tracking your knee out to the side slightly, um, to being able to do those poses. And I, you know, I can't do Lotus yet, but I would say I'm about 80, 85% better. And it, you know, the thing that I think is hard to get across to patients in the office is that there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel, but it might be a distant light. And I did those exercises with zero improvement for weeks and kept chugging along. And then, you know, so February, March, April, you know, we've got four months in and I'm light years better, but that's a lot of exercises. And if somebody, let's say your insurance company gives you six visits with me, if you only do your exercises six times, you are not going to see any results. You have to make a change to your, to your lifestyle, to your, uh, um, general routine. And it doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to suck up all your time or anything like that. And you don't have to even carve out 20 minutes a day to do it just then. I tried incorporating it throughout just my, um, my routine. You know, when I am treating a patient, they let lie down on the table and I'll sit on an exercise ball at the head of the table. So I was noticing I tuck my tailbone under shortening my pelvic floor, causing also some pelvic floor issues that I wasn't even really aware of that tied into my hip pain. And so half of the day now I'll move the ball out of the way and do half kneeling at the head of the table. And that's a DNS move. You see it in other things as well. Um, But just making small changes in your routine. So it doesn't take you any more time. It's just breaking up that monotony that might be contributing to making your problem worse. And it, it was a definite, you know, like this past week we had preschool graduation a recital, all that mom stuff that it's like, oh, how is it midnight? And I have, <laughs> I still need to send out patient exercise emails. It's a crazy life that everybody lives. Even, you know, even if you don't have kids, you have your own stuff that is just feels like there's just not enough hours in the day, but it can be done to add these things into your routine. And I, obviously did not do that from October till January and paid a heavy price tag for it. But uh, realizing that, taking a step back and trying to make positive changes towards that that end goal. And again, it wasn't big. My time commitment there wasn't huge with it or anything like that. I just want to use this podcast to bring you different uh, outlooks into biomechanics, anatomy, um, prehab, rehab, that kind of, those kind of avenues, but also a focus on that core-based stuff. Like, so my hip pain, when you think hip pain, you think just the hip. And you're probably thinking that the exercises that I was, I am doing are all have to do with stuff right around my hip. And it really doesn't. 
I do tons of breath work, tons of pelvic floor work, and uh, lots of core engagement. Because if your core, or your, and when I say core, I don't mean your six pack, I mean about your trunk, basically. Um, and most specifically, diaphragm to pelvic floor and everything in between. So transverse abdominis, internal abdominal oblique, external abdominal oblique, erector spinae, multifidus, everything. Um, that's what I mean by core. And I would say that is what I focused on. And then I add in some adductor work and some glute work and some hamstring engagement. But the bulk of it is core and breath based because if your your joints can't centrate when your when your brain is feeling unstable in your core and in your center and when your brain feels secure then it can start to loosen up the neck and your shoulders gain ra- better range of motion and your hips and your legs and your hamstrings aren't locked down because they don't feel the need to protect you from where you are um not feeling stable at. So there's so many things that can be um, improved on by focusing on your core. And you can also bring about some dysfunction if you work on your core in an, in an imbalanced way. You know, I'll see people come in with um, low back pain and I'll, you know, be asking them like, what kind of workouts do you do? Um, what are you doing at the gym that kind of thing? And they might be doing 300 crunches and, um, the ups and all this rectus abdominis work, but nothing for TBA, IAO, EAO, those are the obliques and the low back. So they might be creating this imbalance in their core that is giving them a low back problem. So I think, Addressing that breath and core function helps with so many things. And in my practice, I see a ton of pre and postnatal moms. I'm one of the only female chiropractors in my area. And we get a lot of referrals there. I was a regional birth fit director. And that is where I first discovered DNS. And um, that's a, the rehab technique. And they're based out of Prague. It's been such a game changer for my practice. I took the first course. I took the women's health course. I took the visceral mobilization course. I just think it's great. And I'm so glad that BirthFit introduced me to that. Um, BirthFit is uh, basically like a pre and postnatal education group based around like you can still work out and be fit when you're pre during and post pregnancy. Um, they're a great group. Uh, I had also, even before that, you know, taken Webster and lots of, uh, ICPA, which is chiropractors, pediatric, uh, diplomate, organization. So I took it when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's now four and a half, I did lots of training in peds. And that also along with that came the pre and postnatal coursework. And that was my first foray into that care that 
I felt so knowledgeable going into having my daughter and um, I'm not really sure. So I never had that experience where I didn't know those things when being pregnant. And I think that would be so scary to not have that information. And like, as I said, I treat a ton of prenatal um, pregnant moms. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I do my own little education with them as I treat them. We talk about diastasis recti and what, what if your epidural doesn't work when you're going into labor, all these things that they don't seem to really think about or don't talk about in their, in their appointments. And, you know, being educated on that kind of stuff, that knowledge doesn't change the outcome, but it gives you that feeling of, of power and understanding. And it gives you a sense of control, which I think is important, especially because you can control so little in birth. Um, you can't control what symptoms you get. You can't control if you're going to need a C-section, if your epidural is not going to work. There's so many <laughs> variables. It's so good to know every single possible outcome. And that was kind of my mindset at that time was to know just everything I could. Um, I've just continued my education from there. And I love working with people to try and help them through, you know, diastasis issues, uh, pelvic floor dysfunction. I've taken tons of pelvic floor coursework and um, the benefits and the pelvic floor is so controversial in, um, I guess, how you go about treating it. There's so many different schools of thought. And I'm not going to say one is right or wrong. I think everybody responds differently to certain treatments. And I like to hear what everyone has to say, unless you're going to say just, just do Kegels. And then, you know, that's probably not where you want to be. <laughs> um, Kegels in general, I feel like people put that out there and, uh, who knows what exactly you're squeezing when you do a Kegel. There's lots of different elements to the pelvic floor, whether it be the actual levator muscles that are lifting the organs or the sphincters, which are just closing off the um, stream of urine or, or feces. So Kegels are hard to nail down. And it's like, what are you actually squeezing? Are you squeezing your butt together? Are you squeezing your thighs together? Or are you actually engaging what you think you are engaging and different parts of the pelvic floor? Are we, um, working the front of the pelvic floor, middle back? There is, the, there are so many different, um, things with that. Like next time you go to the bathroom, check out your flow of urine while you're peeing. If your urine is not coming straight down, you have some tension in your pelvic floor that is drawing the stream of urine off to the side, to the front, to the back. And that's kind of a good sign to know if you're a little unbalanced down there. So it's also not just, are you tight in general, or are you tight in one quadrant versus the other, or are you having weakness in one quadrant versus the other? The pelvic floor is so much more than just do your Kegels. So 
that's stuff that we hope to cover with a course that I'm going to come out with later because, you know, as I said, there's lots of different schools of thought out there. I love the DNS stuff. I love um, Kathy Dooley's pelvic floor information was just great. She incorporates a lot of DNS stuff in there. And I think getting it to people in a more digestible format that they can use at home, because when they come into my office, you know, your insurance doesn't give you a ton of visits. And this is a long, you, you had nine, if it's from birth, you had nine months of pressure and, and trauma happening to your pelvic floor, you're not going to have muscular change in six visits in three weeks. It's going to be a long process that you need to be consistent with. Just like with my hip, you can't expect change within a month. It's going to take months and it's going to take dedication, consistency, all those things that aren't glamorous. They aren't the quick switch kind of a thing, but I think it's so relevant and so overlooked because you don't have to have leakage. You don't have to have pain with sex. You don't have to um, have struggles with low back pain, hip pain, all which might be coming from your pelvic floor issues or just a core imbalance in general. Um, so it's something I'm pretty passionate about because I think it all ties together. You know, my hip pain was giving me trouble, but also I was having some pelvic floor issues that I just kind of overlooked because they weren't screaming at me. The hip was screaming at me. <laughs> the pelvic floor was just like, I'm a little grumpy, but I haven't punished you yet for it. So I think um, I want to use this platform and this podcast to interview different providers and get their points of view. Um have better support for the postpartum mom. The prenatal moms, I feel like in my office, they do great. They come in, you know, regularly. They, you know, they have a, an issue that they want dealt with, like breech babies. People love to come to chiropractors if they have a breech baby because we do, well, some of us do Webster technique, which helps get good pelvic alignment and helps baby have enough room to naturally go where they want. So, that's a pretty big driver for people to come in <laughs> to the office. But after they have their baby, then, you know, it's all about baby. You're going to all these appointments for the baby. They hand you like a sheet of paper and they're like, oh, how are you feeling? You don't, you don't, you're not depressed. Okay, good. But I think some people struggle with pregnancy and, you know, have a terrible pregnancy or vomiting from the time they conceive till the time they deliver. And it's really rough and terrible. And then maybe they have an easy baby and they feel like it's a breeze afterwards. And then you have the people like myself that I could do pregnancy blindfolded and backwards. It was so easy for me. And that sounds so terrible <laughs> to say when I have patients that really struggle, but it was, I went two weeks late. I with both my kids and I have a very physical job treated up until I, the day before I delivered, um, I did a shtanga yoga up until the day I delivered 
headstands, handstands. It, it really didn't affect me. I had no drugs, no epidural, natural childbirth with big 99th percentile head babies. My son was over 10 pounds. I could have done that so easily. And then I had them and they were terrible sleepers. And they, um, I have prone to headaches, nursing, you know, bent over the strain on my back. And, you know, I'm self-employed. So I went back. I am embarrassed to even say how early I went back with my daughter. Um, I, I mean, I took them with me to the office, but she was two and a half weeks old. And, you know, the, the mental strain, the physical strain from being just so tired, the, the stuff that it does to your muscles, the anxiety, that was rough. And I feel like you're so, um, even if you don't have postpartum depression, it's still, it's still rough. And I think that we tend to just gloss over the, oh, we have leakage. Oh, we have pain with sex. Oh, I have these knots in my shoulders that could kill a person, which also could be coming from your core, lack of core stability, which think about it. When you're pregnant and you have that laxity, it's taut when there's a baby in there. And then the baby is gone and you have a totally altered point of, you know, center of gravity, not that support around your center and everything, at least for me, tightened up like crazy. And it wasn't like I was, um, having trouble, you know, um, with extreme leakage or anything like that. But I could tell that, that the, um, lack of stability in my, in my uh, core was giving me just raging headaches and tension up here and eventually the hip pain. But I think that's more, uh, um, lifestyle from before kind of build up. But so this is kind of my long twisty intro to our, um, podcast, but you know, I want to address some of those post partum things. And I did not have a C-section, but I see tons of C-section moms in my office afterwards. And, you know, this isn't just for people that have just had a kid. I've treated C-section scars that are 25 years old. I worked with a woman who had three C-sections and um, a tummy tuck. And we made lots of progress with those scars, which are brutal. I, I don't know if you've ever seen a tummy tuck scar, but they are massive. And that disconnect that happens when you have surgery through so much from C-sections or tummy tucks through all of that, you know, supportive, connective, uh, the internal oblique, the external oblique, transverse abdominis, rectus, sheath, all of those things. It's, uh, it takes time and it takes mobilization without even touching it at first, then maybe with a little makeup brush and then slowly using your fingers and just walking people through and working at their own pace, because you also might have an emotional component to that scar. And, 
while I haven't had one, I've worked with tons of people that have, and I've seen them make a lot of gains and be able to tap into that, to that area and that stability again. And that can be a game changer because I think people had this misconception of you only have pelvic floor problems if you've had a vaginal birth, but that is so far from the truth. If you, you've, have a C-section, the weight is still sitting on your pelvic floor for nine, 10 months. Like you, you still have, you know, the possibility for prolapse and hemorrhoids and all those things that are a pressure problem with your core and your pelvic floor. So not just limited to vaginal births and not just limited to women. I have lots of men that I treat for diastasis recti and pelvic floor issues. If they have like a low back or hip thing that is just not getting better. And maybe like I have one guy that is a cyclist and we address pelvic floor stuff and he's had so much relief. And, you know, he, you sit on that seat. It's a lot of pressure right on your pelvic floor for long periods of time. So this is, these aren't just the female issues. These are also male issues. It's just that with birth and with having three openings in our, in our pelvic floor, it does make us more susceptible. So this podcast is going to encompass lots of things. And I want it to be, you know, a source for pre and postnatal moms, mostly um, on the postnatal side, but also for, for yoga teachers or Pilates instructors that, you know, when I took yoga teacher training, I was already a chiropractor. So I already had a lot of background in anatomy, physiology, all of that. So we had, I think, 10 hours of anatomy training. And actually, I teach the 10 hours of yoga anatomy for our local studios um, teacher training. And it is just tiptoe into anatomy. So when a doctor tells someone to send to go to yoga because they have back pain, do you as a yoga teacher feel comfortable addressing that? Because there's so many different types of back pain. Is it, do they have a disc issue? Do they have sciatic symptoms? Do they have facet syndrome? Do they have, um, you know, so many, there's so many different things. So this is also would be good for the um, yoga instructor or movement professional that wants to get a little more anatomy knowledge to better help their, their clients and not just um, tell them to ask their doctor about it. Because the other thing is, is the, there are so many different types of yoga out there. I know when I went, had my daughter, um, the midwife was asking about what exercise I do. And I, you know, had listed what I did and yoga was on there and my husband stopped her and he said, she does crazy yoga. Is that okay? Is crazy yoga? Okay. (laughs) I think he thought she was thinking like a yin class or something. He's like, she does this handstands all the time. (laughs) And so there's all sorts of different yoga and it's about finding what's works best for you. And 
maybe taking a pose off the table just because of your own anatomy, because not every pose is going to look the same for everyone. And it shouldn't because we're all proportionally different and we might have different issues going on. So also we're going to, in this form function and flow lab, we're going to address some of those things to keep us more balanced. And maybe as an instructor, keep your class and how you, you um, set up your class a little more balanced. So I look forward to um, doing this weekly. We're going to try to get some guests to interview. And if you have any topics that you'd like covered, I would love to hear it. Uh, And I look forward to this. I have been wanting to start this since the pandemic started. And we're finally doing it a year later. So can't wait. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.